Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Good morning, everybody. I am Nick Slavic. I'm the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. It is a weekly live Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, sometimes TikTok show, um, uh, where we talk about the life of a master craftsperson and a paint business entrepreneur. So uh, we're going to get into some 2024 predictions. And you know me, uh, I love the data plus the feelings. So uh, I'm going to tell you some things you know, I'm going to tell you some things you probably don't know. And I'm going to give you some predictions about not only where our businesses uh, should be thinking about, but also where our industry will likely go in the next bunch of years based on a whole bunch of data and feelings, uh, anecdotal and, uh, and real data-based industry feelings as well too. Before we jump into that though, uh, let's get rid of that for now. All right. If you guys have not heard of Liftoff yet, uh, one of my best friends in the industry, Tanner Mullen, puts on the largest online event for painters in the world. And it is awesome. Uh, it is the Liftoff 2024. Uh, there's a link in my actual show post here. You can register. It is free. And there are two days worth of events. Uh, I will be the last speaker in all that. Uh, and uh, theoretically kind of closing it out. And I will be coming with all the data, all the feelings, anything you guys want to know. Uh, we will basically do a very large, very open Q&A session where I will give you some thoughts about, uh, uh, about all the uh, industry stuff. So um, there is largest online event ever. Uh, and especially in our industry, the link is there and it's free. And I would just urge you to go because Jason Paris, Brad Ellison, um, 16 other people, the Maggie Kuipers, we're all going to be there and we're all going to be presenting a whole bunch of stuff there. So little, uh, little something for you to look at. Mr. John Busick, how you doing here? Love the hat. Hey, get this. My wife got me this hat, uh, Sundaro Provisions. Uh, it's got a Britney Spaniel, which we have. It's got pheasants, which I love. And there's a little hunter. And uh, love the color, love the style. Uh, my wife got this for me for Christmas. It's like my new favorite hat. It's awesome. So uh, also, <laughs> nice sweatshirt. Absolutely. A buddy from Moose Painting, Christian, brought me this one. Uh, from New Hampshire. So again, uh, lots of lots of fun stuff going on here. All right, everybody, let's get into uh, let's get into some of the predictions. I'm going to first lay down some baseline of data. If you guys have any questions about what to do, when to do it, your thoughts about the coming year, your plans based on those thoughts for the coming year, drop them here. Uh, I'll throw them up on and we can talk about this all live. So right now we got critical mass. We got tons of people watching right now. Uh, share this in your story, share this in your feed and share this to all of your favorite uh, painter Facebook groups. And let's get a bunch of people on here. Let's have an awesome discussion this morning. As we start off 2024, uh, this is always like the funnest and the weirdest feeling ever because uh, all those revenue numbers we've been chasing, all those revenue numbers we've been following closely, it is now zero. We have zero of that. We have zero of that. And we make all these, and this is, you're going to see a through line through the show, which is there are complete parallels between diet and exercise and the gyms are going to be full. Uh, the PCA, uh, membership goes up this time of year, uh, viewership to ask a painter goes up. Everybody wants to get into shape, both business and personally. And, uh, we do that, but then we slowly peter off about the third week in January and go back to our old ways. So this is me, uh, being your accountability partner, basically just saying I'm here for you. Um, the biggest successes I've, I've ever experienced in my life 
have been a combination of a few things. My friends, I'm seeing Joshua Justin, the John Busick's, other people I know in the feed that are my friends. Uh, they have helped me more than anything else and being consistent and not extreme and having friends to keep you being consistent and not extreme is a big thing. So uh, there's going to be a huge through line through that through here. Uh, as always, any of your questions, any of your topics, let's get into some uh, data. Uh, you guys know that I, 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 I travel around with tons of data and I updated this in the last uh, month of this year to give you guys a little more uh, deep insight into our industry. I will say this. I don't know anything you guys don't know. Uh, but I do have a weird insight into the industry, which is I travel around a lot. I talk to a lot of people. I see a lot of things. And uh, I believe some of the, um, some of the, well, one of the main things that leaders should do is um, pattern detection. And I have a weird insight into this industry where I can detect some large scale patterns going on. And I'm going to share those with you today. So here we go, folks. The data plus the feelings, two of my favorite things ever. So here's our industry. Again, we're basically a $40 billion industry, but not all of that is house painting, right? 46% of that, or about 18.4 billion is residential painting. I have a fancy colorful graph here to show you that I'm a professional and to impress you, right? There's about 300,000 painting businesses in the US. This is a number that I deep dive into every year. And you can find everything from 68,000 to 520,000, 320,000, 300, 260,000, and the problem is like when you read into some of these EBIS reports and Census Bureau data, they'll, they will, um, when you read into the methodologies that they use to come up with these numbers, they will say, we have surveyed 76 painting companies. And well, that is such an obscure, weird, uh, skewed data set, because those are painting companies that actually have data, which are in the 1%, answer their phone and will respond to this. So uh, it's skewed. So you have to be really careful with some of this data out here uh, for that reason. But it is a good baseline, and that's a number that we can usually circle on in the industry. Employment in our industry, the average painting business in the U.S. has 1.4 employees. So I've, I've made that number a little, a little more pointed, 1.4, because we just take the amount of people who derive a W-2 paycheck by the amount of um, potential companies out there, and we find that 1.4. But we know that most of the employment in our industry is skewed to the top 1%, and then really 99% of all uh, painting businesses are single owner operators, give or take. The lifespan still remains 1.5 years, which is a very sad uh, look into the business. Uh, our industry. 3% uh, or so of all painting uh, businesses employ a manager level position. So this is one where, again, you got to parse through a lot of data on this stuff. But this to me is one of the coolest things ever, because we believe that about 1% of our industry has 10 or more employees, give or take, right? 3% of our industry employing a managerial level position could potentially mean it could be a rounding error, but it could also mean that three times more painting companies are growing and expanding to the point where they can actually have a managerial level position. So to me, this is an amazing, an amazing statistic. Um, I've not tracked it in the past. I bet you we can track it uh, for past things. But my impression is that when you get 100 painting contractors together, there's only going to be a few that actually employ people uh, and, and even only a few of those that employ a managerial level position. So if 3% of our industry, it, it believes 1% of our industry employs 10 or more people, 3% has uh, a managerial level position. I think those numbers are catching up to each other. And this shows that our industry is growing and professionalizing, right? That you can hire somebody who doesn't paint in an overhead position is a mark of professionalism. And uh, it really makes me happy uh, to think about that in our industry. So 
And you can see there's a whole bunch of, again, colorful graphs for you guys because I like the colorful graphs here. Uh, and you can actually see some interesting things that I you have to find like sometimes six data points to derive some sort of story or through line through it. Um, in the employees, uh, painting and wall cover uh, contractors employment, um, we've actually had a little less employment, less employment um, uh, over the past bunch of years here. Now, you can, that doesn't mean there's less people working in our industry because every year there's more and more people working there, but uh, you can drive a lot of storylines through that. And uh, I don't think I'm sophisticated enough to tell you exactly why that is. It's probably a combination of about five, six, seven things. Uh, but the one thing I will tell you is that uh, the revenue per employee by firm size is growing over the last bunch of years. Uh, when I track this stuff, as far as we could tell, five, six, seven years ago, it was about $55 of revenue an hour. It's now over 65. And I would make the, um, I would make the um, argument that it probably should be $75 of revenue generation per employee. Why is that a helpful number? Because uh, when, you when you try to figure out if your company is doing better or worse than the average, 65 to 75 bucks of revenue generation on a whole consistently is a very good benchmark there. So, all right. Before we dive into a bunch more of this stuff, hey folks, this is Ask a Painter for the people just joining us. We got a pile of people watching this morning. Share to your feed, share to your story, share to all the painter groups, get it out there, folks. We're talking about 2020, uh, excuse me, 2024 predictions and uh, a whole bunch of data that I've been collecting over the years here. So here's some basic uh, demographics of our industry. And these are these are much more in depth than the ones I usually take around and, uh, and share just because in those presentations, we have to have it simple. 13.7% are women. 86.3% are men. The average painting contractor is 45. The average age of a skilled tradesperson is 55. The average age of American is 38. The average age of an American in the workforce is 43. So why? What do these numbers mean? You can, and now again, these numbers don't tell you exactly what's going on. You can make predictions based on these numbers. The average age of a skilled tradesperson is 55. The average painting contractor is 45 which is great, a little younger. The average age of American in the workforce is 43. The average age of a painting contractor is 45. So we're basically on average there, give or take. So Tanner, good morning, my friend. I just shared your link uh, for liftoff, not only in the show post here, but we had a screen share first thing. So uh, thank you for doing that for our industry, man. Appreciate you a whole bunch. And uh, thanks for having me be the closing speaker on that thing. It's a huge honor and uh, uh, likely going to be bringing some of this data that we share today. And uh, Tanner, for those you don't know, is uh, is the creator uh, proprietor of uh, 190,000 person uh, painting contractor community online. And uh, I'm going to talk about why his community is important later on. I'm gonna tell you why it's one of the most important things in our industry uh, right now, but that comes after the data and the feeling. So Tanner, you know how much I appreciate you, man, and admire you, thanks. All right, so what we're thinking about here is, you know, they say the average, we're, our, 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 our industry is skewing younger which is one of my predictions later on. It's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. I love seeing this because for so long we were skewing older, 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 and now we're starting to skew younger and younger, which is a great uh, sign for the industry. And the one cool stat that was shared with me at an industry event is that women have wage parity in the painting industry. A man and a woman lawyer, you know, you always hear about that women make 77, 75 cents on the dollar for men, give or take. And again, you can parse that information out a lot of ways, but it's a commonly said, commonly agreed to thing. Um, I don't, I can't talk to its accuracy. I've never had real jobs before, uh, but I will tell you this. Um, one of the stats that were shared in our industry is that there is a one-to-one -one wage parity in the painting industry between men and women, which means um, a man and a woman lawyer, the woman on average may make 77% of what a man does for doing the same job. In the industry, 
painting industry, it is zero. There is complete wage parity. The average age for women is exactly that of the average age for men. So if you want to talk about progressive industries, take a look at that, folks. You know, people think of the trades as these knuckle draggers, these heathens, these alcoholics, uh, people who get divorced and domestic violence and all this other stuff. And Meanwhile, uh, we can talk about the American dream thing where uh, we're skewing. Uh, we have uh, we are way more diverse on average than almost every other industry. Uh, there is wage parity between the sexes, which almost doesn't occur in any other industry. There is almost no startup expense. And uh, we're in super high demand right now. So listen, you can talk about, you know, just a painter and a whole bunch of knuckle dragging trades and stuff like that. But I'm looking at the economic data here and I'm saying, my God, if you want the fastest if you want the fastest path to true wealth in America, you can do that typically through real estate and small business. Well, this is the definition of small business right here. You know, you get seven of your buddies together, you can have about a million dollar painting uh, operation and you can make between two and $300,000 uh, with almost no startup costs. So uh, it's it's a great value proposition. Now, the interesting thing is like, even, even when you uh, look at like information technology professions uh, and then uh, tradespeople, like, yes, the, the the demographic for 40 years or older is 68% in the trades. It's 56% uh, in technology, right? But when you start looking at, at some of the um, uh, um, lower demographics, like, listen, but the, all the entrepreneurs and the business owners, 30 to 40 years old in the trades are 25%. It's, it's only um, 30% for uh, technology. That's not that far off, folks. We're, we're getting closer and closer to skewing younger in this industry, which is great because it brings in um, a lot of fresh um, ideas, fresh blood and entrepreneurialism uh, that hasn't been present in our trade. So lots of things going on in the demographics there, folks. There is a much higher percent of, of uh, Hispanic people versus white people. Not This is a this is a soft prediction uh, because it's just based on data and I'm looking at a chart. So you don't need me to prognosticate on something like this. But when you take a look at the data that's in our industry, which is there is a, a fairly long, slow decline of white people uh, in this industry. There is a long, slow increase of Hispanics in there. And in fact, when you look at 2020, since the pandemic, there is a much sharper increase. And it is believed through our industry partners that 63% of all people operating in this industry are Spanish speakers. And uh, it's great. We just need to know that you know if 63% of all of our clients were Spanish speaking, it would be who of us as business owners to cater to Spanish speaking people, right? And same thing as business owners as well too. And same thing as 140 year old trade association, the PCA. We all need to recognize that the majority of our industry is non-white, uh, non-English speaking, could be bilingual, uh, but we have to know that. And uh, this isn't good or bad, it is what it is. And I believe if we don't harness uh, these changes or these critical masses like this, we're just going to be behind, right? If we just put our head in the sand and say, oh, no, this is how it is. My my um, my experience in this industry is this. It can't be anything else. You're going to miss out on some big opportunities for partnering, uh, for harnessing uh, the skills uh, of others. And uh, yeah, just professionalizing our industry, which is going to be huge. Uh, industry growth versus wage growth, too. So industry growth. Um, we can see that the uh, the growth rate now, again, because there's smaller little uh, bars on the bar graph over here doesn't mean we're not growing. This is just the rate of growth. So this is all on the we have not grown grew. We have not grown. We have not grew less than four uh, percent in the last five years, give or take. 
and they're actually having a prediction out into the future where during 2022, we had a huge, uh, we had a huge growth in the industry. And I remember seeing all the predictions that our industry was going to grow 10% over the next, you know, 10 years and stuff. And that still is true, but you can see a slowing growth rate in our industry is 2023. We grew just over 6%. They're predicting uh, just over 4% growth uh, in the future. Now, why is that important? Uh, we want to be in a growing industry, number one. Number two, inflation is about 3.7%. So I believe that not only wage growth, but also the growth in the industry should be... Um, should be uh, should be constantly growing. And if we were growing less than inflation, and certainly if wages were growing less than inflation, that's a dying industry. So what you can see here is uh, the wage growth has been steadily increasing. And uh, since 18 and 19, 20, 21, uh, it's been uh, it's been growing at a, at a faster rate. So uh, we're seeing uh, when when wage growth is up, that means there's not enough people in our industry, but it also means that there's a high demand for what we do. Michael Lair. Does that hold true for other trades from the data you looked at? Yeah. So the 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 biggest problem with other trades data is it's hard enough to find data on our industry. Like when you take a look at like the plumbing industry, it's a if we're a $40 billion industry, they're like a $126 billion industry. The problem is 126 billion is not the actual service plumbers that go out there. You have to get in there and parse that data out. So where where's the the Painting industry is 40 billion and we're 40% of that is just residential there. You also got to take a look at the paint manufacturers and stuff like that in the plumbing world to actually find data for like residential plumbing contractors and things like that is very hard because you got 126. You can't tell me the plumbing industry is three times larger than the painting industry, but I'm imagining they're putting in a lot of manufacturers and stuff in there because it's a much material heavy thing. So what you're finding is that on whole, I do a mix of demographics here, which is I do some general trades people, but then I do some painting as well too. Overall though, when you talk about age, sex, wages, they're, they're really about flat like that. They're really about, uh, not flat, I shouldn't say it. They're really in parity with the painting industry. The painting industry is not that all, uh, not that dif uh, different. Now, when you when you get to uh, wage parity with men and women and the 63% uh, uh, of Spanish speakers, that's kind of unique to our trade as well too. You'll find it a few other places, uh, but yeah, not, not always, so. But wage growth is growing. Risk and reward in our industry. So if you think about this, my, my little pink square right here, oops, go back one. My pink square highlights a couple things that I'm interested in, which is business exit rate <laughs> for a two-year period. The what Sometimes just the actual numbers don't tell you what you need to know. You have to compare it to other things, uh, just like Michael Lair was saying. 9% of all businesses in the US exited, just stopped or, or ceased to exist. 11.5% of painting businesses cease to exist in, in that one to two year time span. So what that tells us, I don't know what 11 or 9% means. I can't tell you if that's high or low. All I can tell you is that the painting industry exits at a, about a 10% higher uh, rate than all businesses in the US, which tells you that there's a higher failure rate in there. Now, the interesting thing is annual growth forecast. Uh, the GDP, uh, the gross domestic product, is supposed to be 5.3% or predicted. Uh, painting industry, 6%. So we're growing faster than the gross domestic product is growing as well, too, which tells you there's a higher demand there 
uh, for what we do, which is kind of interesting. So those, those numbers are, again, those numbers can cause each other. More people exit, there's not enough people, the demand goes up and up and up and will grow faster. So uh, it's just one of those weird, you know, again, taken into the whole maelstrom of data. And I'm going to bring this through to a series of predictions at the end of this for you guys. Uh, if you haven't, if you've just joined us in the meantime, uh, this is my 2024 prediction show. I'm trying to do one of these annual for you guys to give you some data and feelings. If you have not already, share it in your feed, share it in your story, share it in all the painters groups. It would be much appreciated. One of the kindest things you can do for me. If you guys have questions, if you have comments, if you have your own predictions, if you have some questions about 2024 and all that other stuff, I am here for me as well. So number one, the prediction is our industry is going to get much younger and much more entrepreneurial. And the data and the feelings match this because all the data that we can find about even just the workforce as a whole, uh, it's, it's changing a lot. Now, what's interesting is that two things are happening. Um, the total US workforce is aging. It's getting older and older and older. The trades are getting younger and younger and younger, which is cool. Now, it presents some um, problems and some opportunities because uh, it's believed that maybe 20 to 30% of all the most skilled tradespeople, the most senior people in all the trades are going to leave within the next 10 years. And I've been hearing that for 10 years, give or take. And I think it's sort of coming true. But also at the same time, the general workforce in the US is aging. Um, there's a lot of penalties now for taking early retirement. There's a lot of uh, strategies with retirement plans that uh, keep you in the workforce longer. So I think we're seeing, you know, I don't think it's this cataclysmic event where 30% of our most skilled people are going to be gone in the next couple of years. But what we will see is some people leave, but then some people stayed longer than they would have to even that out. So I don't think we're seeing that huge, uh, crazy, um, you know, mutiny from our, from our industry, like we thought. Um, also the feelings is when I travel around the country, there is a pile of people, uh, in their twenties running huge, 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 painting businesses doing it very well. And they started from day one with job costing and all this stuff. So Ryan Hackey, the gray wave, you're absolutely right, man. I've called, I've heard it called the silver tsunami, the gray wave, all that stuff. And um, not only is that coming to the trades, it's probably going to be exacerbated in the trades, but it's coming to everybody. Um, now, the interesting thing is, will the pace of people staying in at an older age outpace the pace of people leaving? Uh, and uh, I think the pandemic gave us some real scary sort of ideas about what would happen uh, about people uh, changing the way they think about work and just leaving the workforce. The problem is if inflation goes up, the cost of housing goes up, that doesn't mean you can retire early. You got to stay in longer. So I think we're seeing a, a combination of a few things there. So um, yeah. So what you're seeing here too, is the average uh, painting contractor age, male versus female, right? It, interestingly, between uh, Latino, Hispanic, and white, the average age of females in the industry is about the same, give or take. The average age of uh, a Hispanic male versus a white male in the industry is much lower. Lower. In fact, uh, yeah, much lower. So uh, what we like seeing is the majority of our industry is Spanish speaking, uh, Latino, uh, and they are much younger uh, than the average white man. So um, again, I, I don't care what ethnicity people are, uh, that we have a, a resurgence or insurgence of um, younger people, more entrepreneurial minded, uh, I am all for that. When I travel around, the younger people are, the more business acumen they have, the more good perspective they have, uh, the more uh, emphasis on work-life balance and running a very successful business with standards is much higher. And uh, I love that. As an industry, we're all going to be served better by this. 
Recession and slowdown, right? People love this stuff. I'm going to begin this with saying I'm not an economist. Anybody who can tell you if there's going to be a recession or not, um, if they actually knew what they were talking about or believe what they talked about, they would sell everything they own and throw it against a short uh, in the market and retire very, very rich. Uh, they would play the market. They would buy options against or for growth in the market if they knew exactly what was going to happen. But I'm not going to be doing uh, any of that stuff. I can tell you this, though. I listen to a lot of tech and economic podcasts, and uh, there's a general zeitgeist around this stuff, which is in 2023, literally, when you go back through like CNN, Fox News, uh, uh, public radio, all that, recession was 100% imminent. We're going towards a cataclysm. And pe people read a lot into recessions. I started my business in a recession, and I grew faster and better uh, than I ever would have imagined. So it, it really does depend here. But now all of a sudden you're seeing in 2024, people are like having this informed optimism, the, the, the likelihood or the belief that there's going to be a recession is way down. So you can see, oops, go back one. You can see in the graph here, this is from some Pew research and some uh, Census Bureau stuff from the federal government, perceived likelihood of a U.S. recession over the next 12 months. You can see, you can see this is 2022, 2023. Oh, we're getting to the end of 2024 and now it's kind of getting towards the end. So you can see it was peaked out uh, come about uh, the start of the year, uh, midsummer, things like that. And it has declined because inflation is coming uh, into, into tow. Now, uh, what what I think affects us, and I'm not a big guy who, who depends on externalities and all this stuff, but I, I will tell you this, consumer confidence is a MFR, right? Because whether we're in a recession or not, whether people have more money or not, if people don't feel as confident, they're not going to spend as much money and housing costs and luxury costs typically take a, take a dip at that time. Now, here's the thing though. Consumer confidence has been fairly steady, fairly steady. But when you look at this graph right here, what we're seeing is towards the end of this year, consumer, consumer confidence went way higher. Now, I don't know if this happens every year, give or take. All I know is that this is a good sign. Def, uh, the top blue line is, um, do you feel you're going to be good? And how how many of you more think you're going to be doing good? It's actually a trending line. The bottom line is how many of you think you're going to be doing worse? That's actually less people uh, believing that. So goose painting with all the new tech in our field, does it matter that the workforce is crimping? No. Uh, technology really uh, will do some basic things for us, but it's really not even the you know the deciding factor of success in our industry is one good leader, one good manager, basically. Just holding the standards and doing consistent, unsexy things every day. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, everybody says a lot of things about the workforce and things like that. There's more humans on this earth every day. And how many do we actually need? 5, 10, 15, 20. Um, it takes effort, but it's completely doable. We do not need to hire 52,000 people, right? That's that's not a thing that a painting company has to do. So what I will say is it's interesting to prognosticate or think about externalities, but in our industry, the truth is these externalities really don't matter all that much. So if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, we have been, we've had the guillotine of a recession hanging over our heads for years now. And I would make the argument, even if there was a recession, I don't know that we would be as affected as other people, right? Um, I think some people would, um, be scared. I think they would use it as an excuse to either quit or do something bad for their business. But if I'm still hard pressed to find anybody that can prove that a recession is the key indicator of success or failure in their business, right? It, to me, it's on, it's like number 71 on the list of things that make you lose or win in this industry. 
And uh, people jump over all the stuff they don't want to do, or they know that works just like diet and exercise. And they jump to that one weird thing outside of there, you know? And so what right now, inflation is super low. Uh, the fed got the inflation in line. Unemployment is super low. Stock market is super high and we have an election next year. So if you think, uh, Let's just say we're due for a recession, right? And we are every seven to 10 years, 15 years, give or take, they say that. Even if there was going to be, uh, I would be hard pressed to uh, see a scenario where we didn't do something good or bad to stop inflation in inflation in the year of an election, because nobody wants that. And we can, we can talk about all the social political issues, but honestly, um, a lot of elections are determined by whether people feel good about the economy or not. And that's the real thing. So that that we would all of a sudden slip into a recession this year in the year of an election uh, is a very low likelihood, I would imagine. Um, and remember, um, recession and slowdown. This is uh, if you've been listening uh, and seeing the larger like tech world now. A lot of companies, especially like Facebook, Meta, things like that, have been doing the year of efficiency. Uh, you heard about mass, mass waves of layoffs at the start of the year uh, with people like Meta. Well, they had this metaverse thing that they were chasing and they dumped billions of dollars into it. It wasn't catching traction. They hired on hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people during um, the, uh, uh, the pandemic and they were getting fat and bloated. And guess what? They cut tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people, they kind of ditched the metaverse sort of thing. And they had one of the most profitable years in their company's history this year. And I've been seeing it all over the place, which is we all were kind of like drunk off externalities in the pandemic years. There's money coming from the government. Employment's weird. Uh, there's high demand for what we do. There's subsidies everywhere. And now people are kind of like sobering up a little bit and the free money is gone. We're getting to the end of those coffers. A lot of consumers are like that. And, um, uh, basically what happened is people started, the larger companies started jettisoning the long shots, the thing, Hey, we want to start a carpentry division and things like that. And it's not really working out a lot of times. Like what we've seen trend in all the industries now is people are jettisoning those long shot things. They're cleaning up their workforce. They're not laying off mass people. What they're doing is saying, Holy cow, we, we hired on way too many people with this growth uh, thing. And turns out it's not being profitable. We can get rid of 30% of our workforce. The remaining people will actually make us more money and more money profitable. And people are kind of sobering up. They, they remove unnecessary management. A lot of people were removing those low to mid-level managers. And, and so think about this in our industry, we hire all these vendors, we hire all these people that do things for us. They maybe can't really prove that they get anything done. So you jettison them, go back to basics, and all of a sudden you're running a profitable company. And everything is back to basics. Uh, Facebook and Meta and all these other tech companies have even said this as well too. Uh, said this too, which is everything is back to basics, just uh, staples. So before we go on, let's get into... <laughs> Bill Howland up here always told me in a recession, people remodel when times are good, they build. Yeah, it's true. And there's huge, there's huge opportunities in an economic upturn and downturn. So think about the, the price of housing in an economic downturn, the price of housing goes down, which is great for young families. It's great for us. It's great for all that stuff. And we also have piles of humans sitting on two to 3% mortgages that aren't going to sell their house, which is actually causing some problems in the market. So again, you can always point to as long as consumer confidence is high and people feel like building, remodeling, spending on their house, I think we'll, we'll be okay. So Kevin Hayes, we're ready to bring two new employees, one already set to come on January and headed to running two crews of three by the end of this quarter. We're also starting to offer, uh, financing to our customers. Uh, 
Kevin, I would love to follow you up on that and see how, uh, see how that goes. Just make sure you stay on that job costing, uh, and then make sure that, um, yeah, just make sure, make sure that each of those crews is profitable like that. Any thoughts on the impact of mass migration? Um, so this is Nick, the, uh, simple house painter from flyover country here. Um, honestly, mass, uh, migration would help not only me personally, our industry greatly, and probably the entire United States workforce. Cause only about 50 to 60% of all humans in the U S are actively in the workforce, paying taxes, supporting the other people. And right now, what you can't say is we have a whole bunch of humans, uh, unemployed, uh, right now it's believed that over the next maybe five to 10 years, there's going to be 3 million jobs in the trades that are going to be unfilled. So I would say this right now, bring it on, bring it on. If you ask me if you want more or less humans coming to the U S to work, I would say more. Absolutely more. Now, that is an uninformed opinion from somebody from flyover country. The ramifications of that, I'm not smart enough to understand. But uh, if you if you give me the opportunity to employ more people or less people, I will take more people, more people, for sure. Prediction number three, the mindset, uh, the competitive value proposition. Uh, my prediction is that I've been seeing a change in this. This is getting better. I'm, I, I predict in the next couple of years, we're going to see one of the biggest changes in this, which is painters suffer from low self-esteem. And I see this all over the place, which is, I just want to help people, right? And you can, but the biggest way you can help people is by running a profitable, stable, consistent business. Because what people always do in our industry, and this is unique to our industry, is we tend to martyr ourselves for the good of others. And what you'll find is that people will undersell themselves. They will do things for free. They will go around their standards. Uh, the client will be happy. They will pay, but we will silently resent them, right? This is the definition of passive aggressiveness, right? And where you find that bankers don't have a problem with this, they will first take care of themselves to make sure that the bank is around for the future, right? And we kind of see that as greed or, or stupid or uh, viciousness, but honestly, every other real business does this in the world. Just like on a plane, put the oxygen mask on yourself before others. And you would say, well, why? Let me help my child first. If you are passed out, you are not going to help that child, right? The quickest way you can help others is, I believe, one of the core things. Um, the kindest thing that you can do for humanity, this is my belief, is that you can be financially independent and stable so that you can take care of those around you so that they can take care of the world around them. Um, and a lot of times our industry, we're martyrs. We'll put everyone else first before us. We'll put our clients, our employees, our, our communities and everything else before us. And then we take home $43,000 a year. We go out of business in a year and a half and we're resentful and nobody cares because people along the way were paid super high wages. Our clients got super good work and that's just how it goes. So yeah. So the biggest mind, I'm, we're going to see, I'm already seeing a huge shift in this. I believe we're going to see even, even bigger shift in this, which is getting rid of the just a painter. No, I am a master crafts person and I'm an entrepreneur. And in fact, uh, our business is probably in the top, you know, one to 5% of business sizes of all small businesses in the United States. And now you can be proud of that, or you could say that there's a lot of, sadly, uh, sadly, a lot of small unprofessionalized businesses, not because, um, they're bad. It's just because that they could be doing so much more for the owner and the people there. So the average painter, and this is the true thing, the average painter that we employ makes more than the paint business owner in, in the painting industry. Right. And I put a graph up here, the unemployment rate, which is the long view is going to come to an end sooner or later, or the long view is going to be here, but 
most paint businesses only last a year and a half. So they don't know what it's like to have high unemployment and to have your pick of employees, right? So back in, you know, you start looking at 2010, unemployment rate was 10, 11, 12%, right? That means 10, 11, 12% of all people uh, in the workforce were out there looking for jobs. That's about three to four to five times more than what is now. So imagine if you had five times more choices for employees, right? And what you have to understand is that most paint businesses in the United States have never experienced that. I've experienced that. I started in uh, 2007 uh, when there was a housing crisis and a recession, the Great Recession in the United States. We had people with master's degrees lining up to paint houses, right? And you can see the trend line has been slowly going away to super low unemployment. So we've lived in a world of no good people and a super high inflated wages for our people for a lot of years. And that's not always going to be that way. I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying there's opportunities and everything in this. At times like this, where people have lots of options, employees have lots of options, you need to be a better business. And being a professional means that much more in all that taking care of your people. So what we're going to see is this competitive value prop, which is the if the average paint painter makes more than the paint business owner, that's a hell of a value proposition, right? We'd like that to change. That has to change because that's not sustainable. But at the same time, our wages are super high in this industry. So getting out there to young people and starting them at 18, 19, 20, 21 bucks an hour with no experience, there's no other dang place on earth that does that. There's no fast food. There's no grocery store. There's no restaurant that'll do that. Like that is a crazy, crazy, crazy value prop that we're not out there screaming to the high heavens, right? Happy New Year, Joel Elmore. Uh, Gamaliel, Rovalerio. I started a change of that kind of, da, 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 but it takes a lot. Hoping this is the year they completely get out of the brush. Uh, this dependent on a lot of uh, a lot of things that has to happen there. So we'll talk about some more of those. So that is my prediction number three, which is that whole uh, uh, martyr mindset and sort of thing is uh, slowly going to go away. And I would urge you to be on the on the forefront and actually proclaim the value proposition of this industry and not uh, not just sit there and wallow in the knuckle dragging. Woe is me. I'm in the trade sort of thing like that professionalism's critical mass. This is the thing that uh, guys like me and Jason Paris have been looking for and predicting for years, and we're seeing much more of it here. So here's, here's the idea. The PCA members, the Painting Contractors Association members, are 15 times larger and more stable and more profitable than the industry average, which is a great industry stat. You, you want some great industry stats. Just by being a member of the PCA, you have a chance, uh, a higher proclivity, uh, a higher uh, chance of being 15 times larger and more stable and more profitable than the industry average. The average painting business now employs more people than it did five years ago. The people employed in the industry in the U.S. in uh, in the industry in the U.S. increased 3.1 percent on average over the last five years. The average painting business creates $62,000 revenue per year, up from five years ago. Yep, the revenue per employee has increased in the last five years. I think it's uh, it, on average we're going from 55 to 65, give or take, and you could do some basic kind of you know, numbers like that, but that's increasing, which is a good sign. That means we can charge more. We can charge more. What this also tells me, if that's the average, if you are generating less than $65 of revenue per hour, you're likely on the lower end of that, you will likely fail. You will likely fail. So I would urge you that it should be much higher than that, especially if you're a sole proprietor. You you should probably be in the 100 to $150 of revenue hour uh, generation, give or take. Oh, but anyway, do, 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 do. Professionalism is critical mass. So here's the deal. We are, P 
people like me in the industry have, pre- have been predicting that people are going to be more professional. So what is professionalism? Professionalism, I have an employee manual, a pay scale, standard operating procedures. Uh, we have a goal setting and review process. We just have all the things in place that make us a real business and we monitor and take care of them regularly all the time. I'm seeing a huge insurgence of this into our industry. People are getting younger. People are doing more of this. And, and uh, what used to be a novelty five years ago, like, oh my God, you have a standard operating procedure and a pay scale. Now it's like, you know what? Uh, people people that are looking for painting jobs are now going to have the choice of painting companies. They'll say, well, this one has no pay scale, no review process. I don't even know how they do raises. And the other one says, here's a four-year plan for you. You hit these simple metrics, which are based on you and not me. And then we we move you from you know 20 to $30 an hour in, in a couple of years based on these metrics. And uh, painters and craftspeople are going to have those choices. We're seeing lots of this. What I'm going to tell you guys is that this is not going to happen overnight, right? My prediction is that you could either be on the forefront of this over the next decade and be one of the leaders of the pack. Uh, and 10 years later, you're going to have this great big business that you're going to be proud of. It's going to be all the things you wanted it to be. Beautiful craft work, awesome humans surrounding you, profitable, stable, consistent, reliable. Or you're going to wake up and everybody around you is going to be that way. And I would urge you, this is going to be the long master craftsperson paint business dream that you're going to wake up from and either be one of those people on the forefront to doing this, or you're going to wake up and you're going to be light years behind. If in, if in the next 10 years, you do not professionalize your business, you're going to wake up to a whole bunch of people like me who have professionalized over these years and done all the hard work. And you're not only going to be a couple years behind, you're going to be running a paint business like my father ran, which is 50 years in the past, 50 years in the past. And it's likely that you cannot do enough work to catch up by the time that happens. So I would urge you guys to stay ahead of that. Do the things now that every other real business in the United States does. So you don't wake up from this dream and looking around and seeing everybody else professionalize around you. And because we, we complain about the, the low price hacks, right? And the, the people who don't know what they charge or don't know how to charge, so they charge really low. And right now, that's the majority of our industry. So the average cost for what we can charge is pretty low. A professionalized company that charges a real price that can afford their people health insurance, retirement, PTO, uh, benefits, all that other stuff, looks like the outlier, and that's not trusted right now. 10 years from now, I can guarantee you this. Um, the likelihood of your professional price being the outlier is not going to be high. Most painting companies are, are going to know what to charge, how to charge, and how to take care of their people. And now you thinking that you can just lower your price or not know how to charge things, you just charge on average $30 of revenue an hour, you're going to look like the scary option, which is I don't trust you anymore because all these other companies have a great online presence. They take care of their people. They're consistent, reliable. And if and if a cluster of prices is up here, it's 75 bucks of revenue generation an hour, and there's only one or two at 30 those are going to look like the low priced ones like that. So I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not saying that if you charge a lower price, you're not a good contractor. I'm just saying that you have a competitive edge right now that you don't know you have, and that's going away in 10 years. <sighs> Prediction number five, the decade of quiet consolidation. So to build on my last one, 1% of all businesses employ 10 plus people, right? 4% of all businesses in the US employ 10 plus people. So what I'm going to find, what I predict is that that is a huge gap. 
there's four times more businesses in the rest of the United States that employ 10 or more people. You're going to see that 1% to 4% gap start to close over the next decade. And what that means is consolidation, which is it's likely, and you can think about it anecdotally, there's people that we know from internet land who ran painting businesses that are now project managers for other people, or their businesses were bought by a construction company, or they've grouped up with another painting business and a majority or minority shareholder uh, sort of thing, or they've even just partnered 50-50 in things. We're seeing more and more and more of that. And there's a lot of anecdotal, but also you're seeing the natural state of business being around 4% of all businesses employ 10 people and only 1% in our industry. That gap is naturally going to close because there is money to be had in this industry. And now uh, consider this, the real American dream. There's not a lot of startup cost, right? There's not a lot of professional operators. Uh, just by showing up and have a couple standard operating procedures and job costing, you're already going to be in the top 1% of our industry. That's not going to last forever, right? There's going to be a lot of folks figuring this out and consolidating this industry. So again, you can wake up 10 years from now doing exactly what you have been doing, owning a job, not a business. Again, there's not a value judgment. You can do that. You just have to know what you're doing. I just don't want you to be sad when you wake up from this dream of, of having a big professional business, having done none of the things 10 years from now and everybody else has around you. Like that's a sad realization. It, It's not good. It's not bad. I would argue it might be bad. But if you were expecting something else and that makes you sad, that is a bad thing in your life. So I would urge you, um, you want options in life, right? You want options and owning your own business gives you lots of options, lots of options, give you the freedom of time and money and to own your own destiny. If everybody else in our industry is super big and super professional and you are not, your options of running that business may go away. And uh, again, this is not me, doom and gloom, cataclysm, things like that. This is me just saying, this is where our industry is going. And I would urge you to do all the things so that you have the options that you have the options. John Busick question from my friend, John Busick. How do we as business owners acquire some of these businesses to hit growth goals and capitalize on our existing professional professionally run businesses or just pay them to go away on their own? Yeah. So I think, I think the, so a couple thoughts are a painting business that's big, large, and professional around you may actually help you in the near-term future, which is it'll bring the the rate at which we can charge people and the expectations of the clients up like that, right? Now, growing a business, you can do it a lot of different ways, right? You can do a W-2 model. You can do subcontracting. You can partner with other businesses uh, in a minority or majority shareholder sort of thing. There are very few people sophisticated enough to run multi-location um, operations. Or there's, there's so few people sophisticated enough to actually partner with another paint business or buy another paint business and actually make it work out. It's tough. Like right now, that one of the biggest problems of these people consolidating our industry and partnering with businesses is that there's not a lot of great options out there. Like you're literally looking at maybe the top 1% of the industry. Whereas if you get into like fast food, there's, I mean, I would guess 50, 60, 70% of the industry is ripe for consolidation, pairing, buying, trading, you know, things like that in because a lot of those are very big professionally consistent profitable organizations painting businesses are not that so i would say this the interesting thing is um if you're looking to buy another painting business that's tough man that is tough if you're looking to sell your business there are fewer buyers but man you have a golden egg you have a golden egg if you have anything north of two to three million dollars with a leadership team in place and and you're showing um uh, even an industry average profit you are a high, highly sought after commodity in our industry. So I would say initially, 
with other paint businesses, a rising tide will lift all boats immediately, but pretty soon um, you're going to have to differentiate some other way. And it could be quality of service. It could be quantity of service. It could be speed or velocity of service, like short lead times. Uh, it could just be an experience, right? And there will always be consumer preference between, you know, small businesses versus large. Uh, in the short term, all these other businesses will help. In the future, as our industry consolidates and professionalizes, what you're going to find is there's going to be a lot more people who just are comfortable with the idea of, yeah, let's just partner or let's buy minority shares in other companies. And I think it'll be a really, really uh, interesting time uh, 10 years from now to see what this industry looks like based on all that. So prediction number six, more real connections equal success. Um, I'm seeing this all over our industry, which is uh, a, a stat I pulled uh, from from the uh, research I was doing is 63% of all specialty trade contractors said they go to an accountant or bookkeeper for cash flow advice, which is pretty good, right? Just asking for advice is a big thing. 28% turn to their banker, 15% turn to a colleague or industry partner, and 29% do not seek advice. That is the scarier part. So you can see that with the 15% that turn to a colleague or industry partner, that's a PCA. That's me and John Busick, just like that. We're friends in the industry, right? That's Ask a Painter. We turn to each other. 29% don't seek advice at all. And that's fine, except that most of us didn't set out to own a business. We were painters. We couldn't find a job in a professional painting business. So we started our own. And then we don't seek advice. You will fail. You will fail. And you can understand why uh, every 1.5 years our industry turns over. It's because of that right there. Um, I would argue that these stats are probably skewed by electricians, plumbers, plasters, you know, things that are more technical. Uh, uh, but if 29% of even them don't look for advice, no wonder, right? So I will say this, if you want 30% of our entire industry to do better overnight, seeking connections in this industry. So think about this, more real connections equal success. You can look at a hockey stick curve of me in the industry for 25 years. I wallowed around. I tried hard. I gritted. There was some success, right? But it was all based on grit and not getting any help. The, the hockey stick curve goes up the second I joined the PCA and started hanging out with guys like John Busick and trading best practices. And our industry is not that we think we have secrets. We think everybody's the enemy. It's a horribly regressive, um, it's a horrible mindset uh, to have, and uh, it's literally killing our industry, right? Because most of us come here as W-2 employees or technicians that now have to run a business, and you carry with you a pretty crappy mindset about how business runs. Business success is all about collaboration, connections, best practices, sharing, caring, empathy, all that other stuff. It's not thinking everybody's your enemy and that scarcity mindset of there's only enough of this pie for me and I'm not sharing any of it with anybody because you can always make the pie bigger, even if that is the case. But think about this. We had our first ever women in painting conference and hundred women showed up from all over the country. We had our first ever Spanish speaker and 150 Spanish speakers showed up for that. We had our first commercial conference as well. hundred commercial contractors, some as large as $300 million contractors showed up, right? Those people who are connecting, there's a huge need for this stuff. I've never seen people have more energy. And uh, you think about like Expo and stuff coming up as well, too. There could be somewhere between 600 and 1,000 of the best people in our entire industry there. And it's not a coincidence that the people who go to the Expo, who are PCA members, who connect with other people all over, even in Tanner Mullen's Facebook group and things like that, are 15 times larger and more profitable and more stable than other businesses. And the main through line through it all is their connections to other humans. 
and this um, abundance mindset that there's enough to go around. So if I could change one thing in the industry, it would be this. And I'm seeing more and more of this. And you can't you can't falsify or or falsely generate enthusiasm, excitement uh, for things like this, for Tanner Mullins uh, liftoff, things like that. You can't, the hardest thing on earth is to manufacture any of that stuff. And that exists in our industry organically. That tells you that we're just ripe for improvement, professionalism, and things like that. Prediction number seven, um, sooner or later, this whole industry is going to figure out the difference between technician versus manager versus leader. The people that I look up to know the difference. The people that fail miserably or have friction in their life uh, don't understand the difference between technician, manager, and leader. We come to this industry as technicians, as painters, right? Most of the people in this industry do not seek this industry out. They find themselves in this industry. They find themselves not being able to be paid enough for the craft that they do. So they start their own company. And all of a sudden, they go from technician to technician and leader because now they have to lead a company. They completely forgo and neglect the manager part. The most successful businesses, painting businesses in the United States are, do management very well. Management has a shorter task view. They do a whole bunch of unsexy, boring, seemingly insignificant things that actually end up being very significant, very well forever. Technicians don't necessarily like to do this. Leaders definitely don't like to do this. Leaders like to put their head in the clouds and think about big pictures. The problem is I'm a painter and I'm thinking about a 10 year plan and I own a company. And then we do nothing in between to actually make that plan happen. One of the main through lines, remember pattern detection as a leader is very important to me. One of the things that determines success in our industry is people that number one, understand and acknowledge that managing is important and even exists and, and what it is. And number two, the people who do it consistently are the biggest, most profitable, happiest painting companies, honestly, doing the best craft work as well too in our industry. So sooner or later, sooner or later, our industry is going to get onto this whole management thing. It's been the focus of my last two to three years, give or take. And we've seen amazing success because of it. Um, just understanding that there's a whole bunch of boring, unsexy stuff that leaders and technicians don't want to do, but has to be done. It has to be done. And the people who figure this out are going to have the biggest success in 2024. So the real reason you won't do well in 2024, this is something that I know to be true. I can predict a lot of things and maybe none of them will be true. Maybe our industry will continue to be fragmented. Maybe our industry will go away and decline. Who knows? What I will tell you this is that the reasons you will not do well is not because of recession, right? It's not because of inflation. It's not because of geopolitics. It's not because of your clients. It's not because of paint. It's not because of your employees or even your thoughts about employees, right? It's you and the excuses. It's you and your excuses. Sorry, we just had some Spotify stuff play up. I was saying something very dramatic and I think one of my kids tapped into my Spotify and my computer. The reasons you will not do well in 2024 you will point to a pile of externalities, things that happen around you that don't have your effect in there. And, uh, oh yeah, my kids are playing with Spotify. Sorry. <laughs> um, it'll be externalities. You will point to these like crazy. It will not be externalities in our industry right now in the residential repaint industry. The one thing I can tell you that is going to be hundred percent true is that you are going to be the sole determinant of your success or failure. 100%, doing the steps to professionalization, doing all the things that real businesses do to just to bring them up to the point of being able to run a real business. If you ever have a dream of owning a painting business and not painting, 
If you don't do some of those basic things, that dream is never going to happen. If you want to be a master craftsperson, a sole proprietor the rest of your life, guess what? Same thing. You got to have those professional things in place, the job costing, the things like that. Nobody who runs a feelings-based business lasts forever. You will fail in a pretty miserable way and you'll find yourself without options and into the workforce again. So number one, externalities aren't going to be the thing that kills your painting business in this next year. It's going to be 100% you. 100% you. I will not even entertain a discussion where somebody says, Nick, inflation is holding me back. How do we combat inflation? I say, who cares? Show me, prove to me right now that inflation is the sole determinant of your success or failure. All right. Meanwhile, I'll look into your business and we won't find a standard operating procedure. We won't find an employee manual. We won't find a pay scale, a training process. We won't find any job costing. You don't even have a separate checking account for your company. I would urge you, this is not me getting spicy. This is just me saying some things that are very true which is if you're focused on religion, politics, externalities, inflation, wars in Ukraine and things like that, and you don't even have a separate checking account for your business, fine. You're, you're wasting your time. You're just wasting your time. How to do well in 2024. Uh, the hack is connections uh, with people, right? But we have to, we have to start thinking about um, if, if you want, if you want the biggest hack to become to hit your goals of growth and things like that, connecting with other people literally is the cheat, the cheat code for this thing that we do. But there's connections and then there's friends and then there's 3D friends. Connections are people we know from the internet, right? Friends are people we know from the internet that we got to know in person, right? And you can even call upon them once in a while. 3D friends, you've shared some serious life with them as well. So understand just like there's scales of professional businesses from small to big to unprofessional to professional. <sighs> I would urge you to work through the progression of connections to friends to 3D friends as quickly as you can in this industry. The closest friends in my life are friends that I have from this industry. They're the people that mean the most to me. They started as connections. We met each other at in-person events like Expo, uh, things like that. And then we became 3D friends as our families have shared life together. So right now, if somebody says, well, Nick, how can I grow super big? How can I be super professional? How can I get all the things done I want to get done? I would say this, connections turning into friends connections turning into friends. I would make as many friends as you possibly can in this industry. And those friends will help you like no other training, SOP, course, education will ever. Now you need all that other stuff, but the hack, the cheat code is friends. The cheat code is your connection in this industry. Number two, stop blaming externalities, right? Do the boring, unsexy stuff all the time. Job cost each project. You guys are probably getting sick of this. Charge more, pay your people more, uh, and future plans translate into the present, which is the basic idea of traction, which is, Hey, uh, I'm a technician, but I'm also a leader of this company. I want to put down the brush and run this company in five years. Well, guess what? A lot has to happen. Taking that five-year plan and translating it into things that have to happen now, um, in order to make that happen is the way you succeed. Not just saying I'm going to work as hard as I can. And hopefully that'll happen. That's not a plan, right? And being consistent, not extreme is the most important thing here. So all right. Do, 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 do. Let's go through some questions here. Oh yeah. The E-Myth. A lot of that stuff is the E-Myth like that. Thank you guys for all watching this morning. If you've, uh, if you showed up a little late here, something like that, uh, just share it, put it in your feed, share this show. Uh, I'll be looking here for questions, for comments, for anything else, uh, afterwards. Those are kind of my, uh, my 2024 and beyond predictions, things that I'm sharing with you guys from the field as predictions go. I don't know if any of these are going to be true. All I can do is share a unique perspective from the field. 
I do know what will cause success or failure in this industry at this time in the next year. And uh, it is not going to be something outside of us. It is definitely going to be something inside of us. So I just want to thank all of you for watching today. We got a lot of people watching on IG and Facebook today and uh, means the world that you guys are going to do this here. So thank you very much. Uh, happy 2024. And let's get out there and take care of our people and do a whole bunch of good work this year. So, all right, everybody have a good rest of the day and good luck tomorrow. Start of a new year. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.